I'm Melissa Beckett, and this is Servant Spouse University, the podcast to help you bulletproof your marriage, where we will empower you to choose faith over fear, courage over convenience, truth over tact, and God over the world. So welcome back to week two of our new podcast. We're so glad that you can join us, and I hope last week was helpful. I hope you were able to evaluate and pray about areas in your life that you might be keeping God at arm's length. And hopefully that was enlightening. I know I didn't give you any tools, like what do I do with it once I recognize that I've been keeping God at arm's length. And so that's what today and some of the future weeks are going to be about. And so let's talk first about the definition of marriage as God intended it. We briefly mentioned that last week. I want to dive deep into that today because if you think about the way the world defines marriage, it is very opposite of what God intended for marriage. But we are surrounded by the world each and every day. We're surrounded by the world at the grocery store, at work, even at church. A lot of times the ideas of the world can infiltrate and try to impact the way we see God's will but that's not the intent. The intent is that our lives would conform to God's will, not the other way around. And so we have to be grounded in how we define marriage, what God intends for marriage, and we need to figure out how to embrace that. And what I found is a a lot of couples, including myself, didn't really know initially what God's definition for marriage was. Not in a practical sense. I might have understood it in a theoretical sense, but how do I practically apply that in my daily life? And so if that happens to be you, if if it's new to you that God has a plan for marriage, if you knew he had a plan, but you aren't sure exactly what it is, or maybe you're like, oh yeah, God does have a plan for marriage. Have I been living it? Um, either way, hopefully this is a good reinforcement of where we start with marriage. And I'm starting with how God defines it, because if we start any place else, then what we're doing is we're basically saying that someone else is God, that we can define the definition of marriage. And when that happens, all you have to do is look around at the world and see how the world is defining marriage right now. The world is defining marriage as it can pretty much be two people, no matter what their sex, and they want to be in a long-term relationship with each other. Children are optional. That isn't what God intended for marriage. And so let's start with scripture in Matthew chapter 19. I'm going to start at verse 3. Some Pharisees approached him and tested him, saying, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any cause whatever? He said in reply, Have you not read that from the beginning the Creator made them male and female? And said, For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, no human being must separate. They said to him, Then why did Moses command that the man give the woman a bill of divorce and dismiss her? He said to them, Because of the hardness of your hearts, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, unless the marriage is unlawful and marries another, commits adultery. 
And so it actually keeps going, talks about marriage for several other verses. I would encourage you to pull out your Bible and read the entire chapter as it relates to not only marriage and divorce, but children um, and several other things. But the first section is on marriage and divorce. And so there are a couple things that stand out here to me. The first one being that a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So let's look at how God intends for that, and let's look at how the world intends is currently defining that. And so God's intent is for us to leave our parents, be joined to each other as spouses, as one being, as one body, as one flesh. That also means one soul. And so we're not intended to be two separate individual people. We are intended to be one whole person, the two of us together. And God is the glue that holds the two of us together. And so when we take God out, the glue is gone. And we tend to forget that we are to be one. And so the world has taken God out of marriage. The world has said, well, it's not really a covenant. It's a contract. And there's a difference between a covenant, and a contract. Did you know that? A contract is a promise. A covenant is an oath. A contract, you might sign your name, but a covenant is sealed with God's name. It is done in God's name. A contract makes people into employees and customers, whereas a covenant makes people spouses, children, parents, and siblings. A covenant makes a family. And so a husband and a wife are the beginning of the domestic family. We're not intended to live this life in a selfish way where we block off the option for children. We are to be open to life. It isn't, are we going to have children? Do we want to have children? It's when will God bless us with children? And hopefully God will bless us with children. And we need to be open to that. We need to desire that. A contract exchanges goods and services, whereas a covenant is an exchange of persons. Husband and wife are exchanging with each other and combining their bodies, combining their soul. I am yours and you are mine forever till death do us part, indissolvable, unbreakable. And so that's if we look in this scripture and when they ask about why um, Moses allowed them basically to have a bill of divorce, he said, because of the hardness of your hearts, Moses allowed it. And so if our hearts harden as spouses, we grow apart. And as we grow apart, it looks like divorce is our only option. So for us to maintain that unity, for us to come back together when we tend to separate, because we are sinners, we are humans, we are going to make mistakes, we are going to hurt each other. Our goal would be to do that as little as possible and to build each other up and to help each other get into God's kingdom and to raise our children as good 
godly, strong men and women that bring people closer to Christ. And so we have to be bathed in God's love. We have to be bathed in God's grace. We have to be bathed in God's mercy. And we can't do that without God. But the world would tell us that we can. The world would tell us, especially if we're a woman, you go girl, you know, you be, you be independent and um, you be that strong-willed, you know, rely on yourself. You don't need a man. <laughs> and men, don't bother with the women. That's not what God intended for marriage. God intended for us to die of ourselves for each other as spouses, to put aside our needs and our wants for the betterment of our spouse, for the betterment of our family, for the betterment of our children, and most importantly, for the betterment of the world. Because the marriage covenant as designed by God is how the world gets to meet Christ. It is through that couple and through their family and all their future generations that they testify in their belief and faith in God. And so when we separate that from God and we separate man and woman that have been previously bonded together, when we try to do that in a civil undoing like divorce, which is a civil proceeding that might civilly and legally separate a man and a woman. It does not separate what God has joined. What God has joined, man cannot divide. Man does not have the power to divide it. And so if the marriage is lawful, which is what the scripture is talking about, it is forever and it is indissolvable. And so the world would say, eh, it's not forever. It's temporary. It's until, until we grow apart, till we fall out of love, till we find someone new. I can, and you can, I'm sure, make a list of all the reasons the world says that it's okay to not have a permanent relationship as husband and wife. But it is permanent. And we are to have a God type, a God-sized love for each other that is unconditional. And that's a hard pill to swallow because when we're married to another adult human being, we want them to be held accountable for their actions. We don't want them to hurt us. And when they hurt us, as they will do, even in small ways, it creates doubt. And as doubt creeps in, the, the devil takes hold. And we don't want the devil to take hold. We don't want to open a crack or a window for the devil. And so we have to fortify our marriage. And the first way we're going to fortify it is defining it. We're going to define it. And if you've heard people say in politics, you can't defeat your enemy unless you know your enemy. So you must define your enemy. They're not wrong, especially as it relates to marriage. Who is the enemy of marriage? The devil is the enemy of marriage. And the devil exists in the world. And all the ugliness that we see in the world is of the devil's doing. And man, he wants to mess us up as spouses. Anything he can do to create doubt in each other, to create that division, will help pull us apart 
divide us to the point that we give up, that's his hope. Because if we as spouses give up, then the devil wins. All those future generations that that couple's strength and belief in God testifies to the faith of God gets destroyed, gets broken forever. And so we have to know our enemy and define it. And we have to know what we are fighting for. We are fighting for our souls. We are fighting for the souls of our children and generations to come. And so when marriage gets difficult, which we all know it will, and for some of us, it's exceptionally difficult. And when it gets difficult, we have to choose God over the world. And so we need that tape recorder in our head to say, this is forever. This is the day the Lord has made. What can I learn from today? What is God wanting to teach me in this experience? How is God going to use this experience to create me into the future spouse he desires for me to be so that we can have the best marriage for God's sake to do God's work in God's kingdom? So man, you had no idea, right? That the whole point of your marriage is to point people to God, to help get souls into heaven. And so we have to fight for our marriage and we have to fight for our marriage like nothing we have ever fought for before. And there are so many incredible benefits to doing so. And so defining what marriage is helps to fortify marriage because when we know God exists as the glue in our marriage and when we know that God intends for us to be one being one body, one soul together, not separate. It will help us to die of ourselves and to choose our spouse and our marriage first instead of what the world would teach us, which is to be selfish. And so this week, I would ask you to pray to God, ask God to fortify your marriage. If you have the ability and comfort to pray with each other as spouses do so, If not, pray individually and then pray for that protection all week long. And you need to pray for that for the rest of your marriage. But then I also want you to recognize different opportunities throughout the week to grow in holiness instead of getting frustrated with your spouse. And so if you find yourself getting frustrated, go, okay, Servant spouse says, this is an opportunity for me to grow in holiness. God, what are you trying to teach me? Bring it all back to God. Bring it all back to God's purpose for your life. And remember, every day is a day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you in seven days.